Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Ah, blessings, folks. Thank you so much for joining with me. We're looking at spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit has led Paul to show us a more excellent way. Remember in our last episode, we talked a good bit about that. And we're looking at 1 Corinthians 13. And let's just read these first three verses that we've already covered real quick. And it says this, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. So what have we seen here? That even though you may be moving within the gifts of the Spirit, you may be speaking, you may be serving to the point of even death, surrendering your body to be burned. It sort of carries the idea that there might have been a way out or you might have been able to say something to avoid that. But even if you go to that degree and you have not love, then it's going to profit you nothing. Now, verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 13, and we start seeing what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind and it's not jealous. Love does not brag and love is not arrogant. I share this passage a lot at weddings because I think it's so important for us to understand this. And I actually put the love in front of each one of these uh, describing phrases. It just drives it home. Listen to this. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag. Love is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love does not take into account a wrong. And it's the idea of wrong suffered, something that had happened before. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. But love rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. That's what love is. And these are quite convicting verses. Every time you read this, every time we go through it, uh, I dare say that the Spirit will move upon each one of our lives and point out those arenas to where we're not functioning within love. You know, we're not being patient. We're not being kind. We're acting jealous. We're bragging. We're arrogant. We're acting unbecomingly. We're seeking our own agenda. We're far too easily provoked. And boy, do we not take into an account a wrong suffered. I know people that keep a ledger list of the wrong suffered for decades, and that bitterness has eaten them alive. But we do that. We rejoice in unrighteousness, but we don't rejoice in the truth. You see that denominationally right now. There's entire denominations that are um, debating over what to do uh, with all sorts of issues. The primary one uh, nowadays is homosexuality. 
And there's whole groups that are rejoicing in the unrighteousness, in that sin, thinking that they have arrived to a new standard of understanding. And when you approach them with truth, they don't rejoice with the truth. They blow up in your face. So we don't do what love tells us to do. We don't bear all things. We don't believe all things. We don't hope all things. We don't endure. But love is what enables us to do all this. As a matter of fact, the Lord brings it to a conclusion right here and ties it together with uh, uh, the spiritual gifts we'll be looking at. In 1 Corinthians 13, 8, he says this, Love never fails. But, so he's saying, love will never fail. Everything is just listed. Function in love, do these. It will never fail. But if there's gifts of prophecy, they'll be done away with. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there's knowledge, it will be done away with. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. Now, boy, you talk about some passages right here that are much debated and much abused and much avoided, okay? Much avoided. And you say, well, why is that? Because he's saying here, he's setting up this juxtaposition that love never fails. But he says, if you have gifts of prophecy, remember the context, spiritual gifts. If you have a gift of prophecy or a gift of tongues or a gift of knowledge, all those, those will be done away with. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, because in this corporeal existence, in this life, we know things in part. We don't know everything. But he says when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. Now, I'm just going to throw some things out here. Quite often, you will see this, uh, you'll read this a lot in books, you'll hear this preached all the time, and people will say, well, we no longer need the quote-unquote supernatural gifts. Even that little phraseology reveals a lot. You know, so many things wrong with it. We don't need prophecy. We don't need tongues. We don't need knowledge. We don't need words of wisdom. We don't need discerning the spirits. We don't need even healings. We don't need tongues or interpretation of tongues. And they'll say the reason is because the perfect has come. And the perfect that has come, that he's speaking, that they're speaking of, is the Word of God. They say we now have the Word of God, so we don't need these things. Well, you know, that sounds so reasonable, doesn't it? And you nearly want to think it makes sense. But nowhere in the Scripture does it say anything like that. As a matter of fact, when you go over to Ephesians 4, remember the passage in Ephesians 4 about these uh, gifted individuals and their purpose uh, to equip the saints okay, and raise up the body of Christ, release the body of Christ. And this was going to be done until we all are perfectly in alignment with the Lord. In other words, you're going to need all these gifted individuals. You're going to need all the gifts of the Spirit. And so, no, the perfect that comes here is not the Word of God. As a matter of fact, that's a very weak argument. It doesn't make any sense when you start thinking it through. But I'll tell you, some of the godliest people and who have very, very high profiles within the body of Christ, written a lot of books, have a lot of radio and TV shows and things like that, will say that, well, we don't need these gifts now because we have the Bible. And nothing can be further from the truth. We thank the Lord that we have the totality of His Word, but that's not what's being meant here. Also, you got a problem with it uh, because the greatest explosion of the body of Christ took place before the New Testament was ever brought together, before it was written in the first century or so. So what do you do with that? Then other times people say, well, the perfect comes speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know in pro part and we prophesy in part, but the perfect comes Lord Jesus. And so the Lord Jesus has come, so we don't need it. 
Well, no, Paul's writing after the time when he came the first time. Okay? And say, oh, uh, well, it must be that we'll need these things until he comes again. Well, maybe. Okay? But even the, the perfect comes, being Lord Jesus Christ, isn't a complete understanding of what's probably being said here. probably has a lot to do with days yet to come and the completeness and the totality of all of God's agenda within his kingdom. Okay? He says, we prophesy in part, we know in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. In other words, we will not have a need for these gifts when it's all said and done. Okay? Tell you what, I'm going to stop right here. We still got about three, four more verses to finish this chapter out. But you know what we'll do in the next episode. I'll back up a little bit, take a run and go at it and deal with those. Again, I'm Dale. Thank you so much for being with me. I'll see you later. Goodbye.